0: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. IGN shares more details on the new Supergirl
1: comic series. And we discuss Hostile Takeover. This This is is Supergirl Supergirl Radio. Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the
0: Season 1 episode of the show titled Hostile Takeover. But before we get to our discussion,
1: we have... The News. According to IGN.com, Sterling Gates will be the writer on the new digital first series called Adventures of Supergirl. Artists on this title will include Bengal, John Boy Myers, Emanuela Lupacino, and Emma Buscelli, which I am super excited about because obviously... Rebecca, I think it's safe to say we love us some Sterling Gates over here. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, so obviously it's awesome to see him return to this character. Uh, but also I'm particularly a huge fan of Emanuela Lup- Lupichino and uh, Emma Vasselli. Um, I've been talking about their artwork uh, over at the Mary Sue on other titles. And so I'm really excited to see them involved with uh, Adventures of Supergirl. Awesome.
0: Well, Adventures of Supergirl will be a 13-chapter bi-weekly comic, and while it will release on Mondays, conveniently the same day as Supergirl on CBS, IGN reports that it won't directly tie into the show— But it will tell stories in the universe, with Supergirl teaming up with the DEO to protect National City,
1: while also working at CatCo as Kara Danvers. Adventures of Supergirl will debut on January 25th, and will also be collected and printed as a graphic novel. This was my concern when we first heard about it. I was like, I don't know, like a tie-in comic, but... It could just as easily be kind of one-off adventures that don't affect the show in any way, which I would totally read.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this, and I'm pumped that Sterling Gates is going to be writing it because I think Kara is in really good hands with him. And uh, I'm I'm sure we'll find a way to be able to cover that
1: comic series as well as the show. Totally. Totally. Uh, Well, let's get right into our discussion uh, of the season one Supergirl episode titled Hostile Takeover. Uh, Here is the official description from CBS. Kara goes toe-to-toe with Astra when her aunt challenges Kara's beliefs about her mother. Also, Kat is threatened with being removed as the CEO of CatCo after a hacker exposes her private and damaging emails. Uh, There was so much going on in this episode. (laughs) So much. (laughs) So much happened. Um, Let's uh, start with the the family stuff for Kara. Uh, What did you think about Kara going up against Astra and their relationship in this episode?
0: I felt like we got more motivation from Astra. Like, we we kind of heard that maybe she had a plan for Earth. And to me, it didn't seem really clear on what she wanted to do. So I, I felt like we got more details on that and more backstory, which I liked. And I started to realize that Astra was kind of a mix of three other Kryptonian characters, Jor-El, Allura, and General Zod. And normally I'd want to be uh, presented with something that's new in terms of motivations because I've seen a lot of this stuff before. But I mm-hmm. actually think that the combination of all those characters sort of works for this story that they're trying to tell. Like, like for instance, she is very Jor-El in the fact that she's trying to save Krypton. She keeps talking about Krypton is dying to, uh, due to its unstable core and how they've, you know, abused the power of of everything that's on Krypton and Krypton is dying and that she wants to save her people. That's very Jor-El. Um, I even thought that she was sort of Jor-El in the fact that she had connections to sciencey things. She was yeah. very she was very environmentally conscious and um she even kind of I don't know maybe this wasn't her figuring this out but she and her people figured out how to use the kryptonite dagger against Supergirl. So she's kind of into science and figuring figuring things out. And she's sort of like Alora in the fact that like like the good Allura is very much, you know, a mother to Kara as a daughter and Astra kind of has those moments with Kara in this episode where she says, you know, I couldn't love a daughter more than if Rael had granted me a child of my own. And she's even kind of <laughs> the nasty version of Allura, uh, especially the one that we read about in Sterling Gates's run. So kind of felt like she had some of those qualities. And then she even reminded me a lot of general Zod, like she's a military leader. She's a warrior. Um, I even kind of laughed that you know the Man of Steel, which you haven't seen, uh, <laughs> but the parrot the like the visual parallels were very apparent in, in this episode. If you'd seen yeah. Man of Steel,
1: like they, I mean, I could tell just from like the ads and stuff. Like it was very. A lot of it, I mean, uh, the lighting, the costumes, like everything kind of pointed to that.
0: Oh, no, they straight up ripped off some visuals from the movie, (laughs) which, you know, I'm not mad at them because that made me so happy. Um, But like the whole Supergirl fighting Astra over the city and everything, that was very General Zod. And um, the fact that she's doing these bad things that everyone else considers bad things, but she's doing them for a noble reason in her mind. So I Mm -hmm. kind of like that they've sort of mixed kind of all these different qualities because they're all Kryptonian characters and they're just sort of mixed into this one new character so I kind of like that but I also kind of didn't like that they were trying to make Astra a little too sympathetic I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Because I, I, it seemed like they were trying to make you think Alora was the bad guy and Astra was really the good guy trying to save the people. So I, I don't know where they're going with that. I don't know if it's going to lead to like a, a Darth Vader Luke thing where like she's going to try to wrangle Kara to the dark side and yeah. b- based on the lies that she's telling about. Or maybe they're not lies that she's telling about Alora. Maybe it is the truth. So I'm kind of... I kind of like what they're doing, but I also I like my bad guys to be bad guys. So it's kind of it's kind of hard with the uh, the way that she's being portrayed as as sort of sympathetic. So I'm kind of I'm kind of mixed on Astra.
1: Well, it's interesting to hear you say um, to talk about the uh, the fact that she kind of seems like three different Kryptonian characters because, you know, obviously I know you're more familiar with uh, the Superman stuff than I am. So I didn't make those associations at all. To me, I just thought it was interesting that she's basically a radical environmentalist. Like, she's the person who throws red paint on fur coats to protest PETA. (laughs) Like, she's the person who frees animals from cages that are being experimented on. She's the person that blows things up if it means that she will save more people. And – I thought it was really interesting to – and if, you know, uh, what you're saying is probably true, that she is an amalgam of of those three characters. Um, I think it's interesting that those things kind of make her resonate as far as like our modern lives and, you know, modern stuff. Uh, The fact that we do have environmental problems. The fact that there are people out there who are willing to hurt people. Because of their beliefs and because of their views, and because of you know, she's basically an environmental terrorist for lack of a better oh, word. Oh, yeah, and uh, it's interesting. That, like, I didn't see her as as being overly sympathetic, I saw her as being like straight up kind of lost touch with re- reality, <laughs> you know, crazy. Yeah, um, and well, that's what that's what Kara thinks. Yeah, no, and 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 she, just because, like, you know, like a character is understandable doesn't mean you're going to agree with them. You just get where they're coming from. And I think that, you know, I don't think she's lying about Allura. I think I think the the flashback kind of happened exactly that way. But, you know, from Allura's point of view, it's like, yeah, I, I, Krypton might be dying. But killing people and blowing things up is not the way to do something about it. And so she has to arrest Astra. Like, regardless of, of whether Astra has a point or not. The fact is Astra's methods are unacceptable. And so, you know, you could have all the good reason in the world, but if you're, you know, hurting people, you kind of have to be stopped because Allura is in charge of of protecting all of Krypton and trying to make people's lives better. It's, it's sort of
0: like it reminds me of Jake from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he's like, cool motive. Still murder, yeah. (laughs) You know, like um, so. (laughs) I totally true. I don't want to get that on a shirt. I, I, I'm sure it is a shirt. Um, I'm sure. But I think that's a uh, that's a good point because she was doing things for what she thought was the right reason. Didn't mean they were the right things to do. Um, And I guess my view of her being somewhat sympathetic is in regards to her relationship with Kara, that she sees her as a daughter that she wants to protect. Like she says that she's partially doing what she's doing to save Kara and, you know, to save all of Krypton, but she specifically names Kara. And maybe that's when she, because she's faced off with Allura and that's something to kind of get through to Alora, but she seems to really care for Kara. And I guess that's where I sort of butt heads with it because in some respects, I do think Astra does love her niece yeah. But uh it, it seems like she's I don't know, it's it's weird because she says that Alora was a murderer. And I'm like, that seems like a lie, but I don't know. She was telling telling the truth about the spy beacon scenario, so who knows what the real story is.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, that can mean a lot of things. Like, in her mind, being a murderer could mean you are sentencing all of Krypton to die True. because the planet will be destroyed. You know what I mean? Like, so she might not literally be a murderer, but to uh, Astra, Alora is a murderer by default she's because she's letting this people. happen. Right, exactly. And so... Um yeah it, it's funny cuz you were like I like my bad guys to be bad guys and I'm like I like my bad guys to be complicated. I'm da- <laughs> I'm down with like anti-heroes and kind of anti-villains. Like <laughs> I uh I'm I'm always fascinated by motivations cuz you think about it like every like horrible, you know, dictator, murderous person throughout history loved somebody at one point. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody everybody was once a baby in diapers. Everybody was <laughs> You know <laughs> once loved somebody or something and cared about stuff, and then something happened, something flipped a switch, and they just went bananas, so uh, that kind of like psychological stuff always interests me um and while yes, it's always good to have a really quality like you don't like there's no doubt that they're a villain type villain um there's also something that I love about somebody like Astra who genuinely believes that she's doing the right thing and she's complicated and she loves her family. She, at some point, I'm sure she loved Allura too. I mean, they're twin sisters, like, you know, twins tend to be really close. Um, And so at some point her, her beliefs, about what was going on with the planet kind of overshadowed her feelings about her sister.
0: And I liked that in that scene with the the two Lara Benantes, which I thought was so great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I liked that it seemed like they were both trying to help each other. Like Alora was like, you don't have to do this. I can help you. And Astra was like, no, you don't understand. You need to come to my side. I, like, I think they did love each other at one point. They just conflicted over what was really happening, and um, I think that is complicated and interesting, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I I struggle with, if they're so complicated and they're so sympathetic, then why do I care if the good guy or the good, you know, lady superhero is going to beat them? Why do I care that they get defeated if they're, you know, so sympathetic that I feel bad for them? So I guess it's a fine line for me to... feel out where you know what i think about the bad guy
1: you know and that's that's totally understandable like that they have to be like there have to be certain things that are clear and i think that the clearest thing about Astra is that her methods are what are the problem like she you know because she could disagree about Allura about the environment you know like she you know they could disagree about the science of whether or not I mean it's the difference between somebody who does and doesn't believe in climate change right Right. like you know you have people who are like it's totally a lie and you have other people being like but science though (laughs) um but then like if one of those people on either side decides I'm going to prove my point by killing people or blowing up a building, suddenly that person is in the wrong no matter what they believe, you know, Um, or they have to be dealt with in a certain way, no matter what they believe. And I think that's where Astra is. Like she's at the point where she's taken her, her views about saving earth so far that she needs to be stopped for that reason.
0: I think what I really grabbed onto with the whole situation with Astra is that scene at the end of the episode where Supergirl faces Alora's AI, and she says, but was she right? And I think that was the line that made me go, whoa, okay, I need to reevaluate how I feel about mm-hmm. this situation because, yes, Astra may have done some terrible things, but ultimately, was she right, and could she have saved... Krypton like I think and I think that's yeah. what, what Kara was struggling with was maybe Astra was the good guy even though she had you know cool cool motives still murder but I think there is a point where like was she right? Is that, the, is that the truth? Could Krypton have been saved? I think that was the thing that made me really kind of, you know, screech my tires and, <laughs> and think about what what was really happening there. Because, you know, that really affected Carl when she faced her her mother's AI and needed to know that information because— If Astra could have done something, maybe Krypton could have been saved. So I think it's just, it's and actually now that I'm thinking about it, now we're talking about it, I really like what they've done with Astra because it's making me kind of see all the sides. Yeah. Even though I like, you know, that Astra wears all black and, you know, fights with Kara. Um, Has but, that
1: white streak in her hair. Yes,
0: you can tell, like, she's the different She's the one. evil one. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I guess I can um, find a way to mix both of my feelings on the subject, and uh, I guess I like Astra more than I think I do, um, but I just, I'm, I'm worried for Kara because I'm worried that she is going to buy into Astra telling her all of these things and get kind of sucked into Astra and Nan's plan. So I don't know. I mean, I know Supergirl will come out on top and everything will be fine, but <laughs> it does it does kind of worry me that Astra might have a hold on her.
1: Well, what's interesting, and I'm glad you brought up that scene with the Allure AI because I loved that scene. First of all, I mean, Melissa Benoist just keeps getting better and better with every episode, and I loved her performance in that. But it was interesting to see that because what frustrated Kara so much is that the AI couldn't answer. Oh, yeah. And I think more important than whether or not Astra's is telling the truth about Allura is Kara's reaction to that. It's, it's the fact that she needs to know because I feel like everybody at a certain point, like you grow up to be a certain age and you realize that your parents are people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that that they're not the perfect people that you put on a pedestal when you were a kid, that they know everything and they do everything perfectly. Like uh, Everybody kind of recognizes that about their parents and, and is kind of more willing to disagree. And I think that partially, Kara is kind of stuck in her 14-year-old self. Um, the girl who left Krypton, it's kind of like she got stunted at that age with regard to her parents because that's the last time she saw them. And so she always has this image in her head of her parents being perfect. And I think that whether Alora could have done something or not, the fact is, I think Kara needs, like, to, to grow into, like, a full-on adult, she needs to recognize the fact that maybe her mother wasn't perfect, that maybe her mom might have made mistakes, that maybe she could have done things better. I think that's an important lesson for, like, a grown-up person to understand. Um, because that allows a person then to kind of become their own person. And so they're like, okay, well, if I can see the nuances in what my parents did, that means I can better think out what I'm doing.
0: I like that she does kind of realize that her mother is not perfect. But at the same time, I think – Allura was doing the right thing. She is this adjudicator on Krypton, and that is her job. Her job mm-hmm. is to put the criminals in prison and make sure that nobody gets hurt. And what I liked about that was that that's sort of a parallel to Supergirl. Supergirl is the one who's supposed to protect National City and make sure that nobody comes and harms the people. And so she, I think what's what's interesting to me about that in in terms of you talking about how she needs to kind of grow up and accept that, you know, parents are people too. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of Allura in Supergirl. There's a lot of Allura in her daughter. And I, I really like those parallels.
1: Well, I uh, I do want to talk about because um, we had another Kryptonian that was introduced in Non, and Non is Astra's husband uh, in this, uh, and I and I, I don't know if if she if he was always um cuz Astra was was made up for this right like yeah
0: yeah Astra yeah. is a brand new character and i was actually shocked by the revelation that Nan is not only Astra's lieutenant but her husband i was like whoa that is that is new information because we never got a character description for Non so yeah. i was really surprised by that
1: and i kind of loved that that he is subordinate to her in rank like I and in my review at the Mary Sue I had a picture of them and my caption was Kryptonian men are totally cool if their wives make more money than them. <laughs> um <laughs> so uh I thought that was really interesting and the fact that he was so loyal to her and wasn't trying to like overstep his bounds but at the same time because he's her husband he knows her well enough to see that she's like maybe not quite as able to follow through on certain things when it comes to Kara because they're family and so he's kind of looking out for that and he's willing to take take on like killing Ka- Kara if if ne- if that needs to happen and taking that away from his wife so that she doesn't have to do it which I thought was weirdly loving in a totally psychotic way. <laughs> um, like, I'll kill her so you don't have to. It's okay, baby. It's okay. And I'm like, whoa, what is happening? <laughs> cool, um, cool motive, still murder. Still murder, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And, the fa- and I'm sorry, that that like cliffhanger at the end, like yeah. them rushing at each other and that's how the episode ends. I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, I loved that final shot because – um, I can't imagine what's going to happen when they connect because two <laughs> two Kryptonians hitting each other um, probably is not a pleasant sight to be around. Um, but yeah, it, that's really interesting about Non about how he's he's willing to kill Kara if that's what it takes. But I I sort of got the impression that even as loyal as he is to Astra, part of me thinks he's going to sidestep her. And if he really cause he, I mean, he seemed like he really, really wanted to kill Kara. And part of me thinks that if Astro doesn't want it done, he might still do it anyway, or at least try to. So okay. I I thought he was he was really power hungry. So I'm actually, you know, we were kind of like, meh, none. But now I'm actually really interested in seeing what he does because he he could be his own player. He's not I, I don't think he's just Astra's little crony. I think he's he's going to end up being um, a, a real force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah, totally. No, he's he's definitely interesting. And I'm glad that they're using him and kind of uh, building him up. And I'm glad he's going to be in the next episode. I mean, hopefully he's defeated. But <laughs> also, I think if he's not defeated or if something happens to separate them and he escapes or whatever, he's an interesting enough character now to follow. Um, that I'd be interested to see how he progresses and how he progresses with Astra. Yeah, I mean, and of course, that's the one, like, a lot going on already in that side of the episode. And then we've got the other half of the episode, which is the scandal at Catco and how um, all of a sudden some some Catco uh, had uh, dealt with a hack and a lot of, Cat Grant's emails have been have found their way to the press, which is, of course, not a cool situation to be in when you're the CEO of a multi million dollar corporation. And um, yeah, what did you think about that storyline?
0: Well, I love the stuff that got leaked. First of all, I love. know. I love <laughs> that the Daily Planet has published Cat's for real age because that is very threatening to her. That mm-hmm. she uh, has three personal shoppers on call at Barney's. That she got re- <laughs> she got rejected by Idris Elba um that you know the amount she's spending every month on a haircut the fact that she uses a corporate jet you know all this stuff about Jekyll and Hyde the musical and yeah that
1: was my favorite how (laughs)
0: how Anderson Cooper like dared her to go on Undercover Boss which I was like oh CBS Energy very nice Mm -hmm. and um you know (laughs) she had 317 emails Referring to Lois Lane as "quote whatever she calls her her to her face and worse," so uh-huh. um, so I mean, 317 emails. Yikes! Um, she does not like Lois Lane for whatever <laughs> yes, reason, and I want seriously. to I want to know why. But what, my biggest question about this hack was I was confused as to why nobody pointed a finger at Wynn about it. I mean, he's like the I I mean. Maybe he's just like a a low on the totem pole IT guy. But it kind of was weird to me that nobody was like, hey, when, why didn't you know about this? You know, couldn't you have done something to prevent this? So I thought that was very strange.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I did as well. Uh, Although I think the concern is more... um, like the that might be their next step is to to plug the holes and figure out how this happened. But the first, I think, her first concern was like, what's out there? Like, yeah, what do yeah. they have um, to kind of get ahead of whatever the story is going to be? Because I think Kat is really concerned with narrative and making sure that that she comes out she comes out well in the story. And I th- I really kind of loved where they went with it because. Um, Well, first of all, (laughs) she has this board meeting where uh, the CatCo board is talking about whether or not Cat should, you know, step aside or go on sabbatical or kind of distance herself from the company while this is happening. And this guy who's like the walking – she she calls him the walking embodiment of male privilege. Um, (laughs) White white male privilege. White male privilege. To be specific. Exactly. Um, Dirk Armstrong – he is the one who kind of defends her in the meeting, um, which is automatically suspicious uh, and was to to Kat because she's like, wait a minute, no, he hates me. What's going on? (laughs) And uh, that's when, you know, Kara overhears that he's the one behind the hack and he is purposely trying to take Kat down and get her to leave the company so that he can take control. But what I loved is that uh, as that is happening, the fact that, Adam Foster gets brought up, which kind of changes a lot in the, you know, in what's going to be coming up because at the beginning when we were doing our uh, our character spotlights and we were talking about Cat Grant and her, her uh, story in the comics and all of that and how she lost her son Adam to Toyman and then we find out she has this son named Carter and we're like, oh, are they going to do the same story? And now we find out that she does have a son named Adam that is away somewhere. Um, and we find out that, you know, when uh, his dad is the toy man and he's in prison, but he's been cast, which means we're probably going to see him. So I'm like, all of these things are lining up and I'm like, that's really interesting. And I'm so afraid for her now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think the potential for something bad to happen to Adam Foster is pretty good now. <laughs> I, I, I don't think odds are in your favor, Adam. Um, but I Thought this was cool because I actually had predicted, don't want to brag, but you know, back during our episode of how the uh, our episode on how does she do it, um, I actually speculated that. And I thought it was funny because Adam was a, a, a dead giveaway that it would be a tie to cat somehow, and that Foster is kind of like you know, a foster child. Foster or child, yeah. So the, the naming might have been a little too on the nose, but I definitely liked that the whole cat co scandal actually went somewhere. They didn't just have a, you know, a scandal and a hack into her company. It was, it it actually had a purpose that it brought out this whole Adam Foster. Oh, cat has another kid somewhere. Thing so I I like that and I like that we got a lot of information about Adam. It wasn't just like a throwaway thing. Like we we know that his father is someone that Kat hadn't dated very long and is not Carter's father, so it's someone totally different. And um that she actually tried to sue for custody and and I think that kind of stuff, that great conversation that she has with Cara um, about Adam, I think actually did a lot to also tie into the whole Alora. Astra thing, because I, I liked that in that conversation, which is after the scene where Supergirl lets loose on the AI, um, Kara actually has a moment to kind of chill out and kind of ask Kat these questions about, you know, ask a mother who had to abandon her child, um, why she would do that. And I love Kat's response to that she's like you have no idea what that moment is like when you have to say to yourself maybe my child would be better off without me mm-hmm. and i i love that that those parallels are so strong there because over these episodes i kind of feel like cat is slowly becoming a mother figure in cara's life yeah and she even in live wire said that if she could she would adopt supergirl so it's it's something that i feel like is um Progressing for their relationship, and actually, since we're t- since I'm talking about this right now, I I want to throw in an email from uh, one of our listeners named Gregory, and he actually talked about the ma- maternal figures in this episode, and he says, uh, "quote I feel like this entire episode revolved heavily around the mother figures of Kara, Cat Grant, who has figured out Kara is Supergirl. The exchange between K- Kara and Cat uh, during that nice reveal was so rewarding; had to watch it over and over again several times." <laughs> I rewatched really that scene more than any other last night, and then he talks about Astra, who actually loves Kara very much, and um, Alora, who, as much as she loved Kara, she also used her to trap Astra. So there were a lot of maternal figures that were popping into Kara's life. But I think with Cat, she's the Cat is the one who is there for her. Cat sees her every day. Cat um, is involved in her life, even if sometimes it's just. Hey, Kara, go get me my cobs salad for lunch. It's you know she is giving her advice, she's helping her out with her problems, and so in some ways I think Kat is the mother that Kara wished that she had. If any of that rambling makes any kind of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it totally <laughs> does, and and I I do think that they are are setting her up that way, especially with the big reveal, because. Kara telling, or, or, or rather, not Kara telling her, Cat figuring out yes. and putting two and two together that Supergirl is Kara, um, which I thought was handled so well. Like I loved that that scene and how she just laid laid the case out so that Kara can't even like deny it. Like she's trying to figure out like explanations for everything, and she, and they're she back- couldn't get out of it. No, no, there is no way. Um, and then I love how the last thing is take off your glasses. Uh, <laughs> as if you can't see what her face looks like. Like, come on <laughs> But anyway, so – but I feel like where the show is headed is exactly what you're saying, that that kind of mother figure relationship. And in order for that to happen, you know, Kat has to know all of Kara, which means she has to know about Supergirl because she she can't be – an effective mother figure. If there's part of of Kara that Kara is hiding, right? So I do love that that finally happened. And what was interesting though about that scene is that, and what I loved was that Cat seemed genuinely grateful to Kara throughout this whole episode, um, grateful to Kara for her work on helping find the proof that she needed that that Armstrong was behind the hack. And then grateful to Supergirl for all the times that that she saved her life. Like, she seemed to really recognize in this episode just how special and amazing Kara is. And just, like, the fact, like, knowing that she is Supergirl kind of put her into context. Mm. And now Kat really understands, like, wow, this, this girl is kind of amazing. Um, and the fact that she's been keeping this secret and not telling me and leading these double lives and saving me in both lives. Like, yeah. Like, Kara as an assistant saves her and Supergirl saves her. And it's like she just seemed so full of gratitude. Meanwhile, Kara was like freaking out, <laughs> like like not sure what Kat was going to do with this information.
0: When Alex calls her to interrupt that conversation with Kat, she's like, Alex, we have a problem. Like she mm-hmm. she doesn't know what to do about it because I think in her mind, Kara might a little bit on some level. I think she thinks that Kat might expose her. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're saying is correct that I think Cat really genuinely does care for Kara even if she can't pronounce her name correctly. Yeah, I, yeah. I think she does value her because she does see that Kara has been helping her. So I I, I like that idea.
1: And yeah, I think that that uh, you're right. Uh Kara is suspicious of Cat and kind of uh, you know assumes that the journalist will take over and Cat will want to Expose her, do a story on her, something like that. But, yeah, I think that what they were trying to get across is that Kat genuinely respects and appreciates Kara, especially now. And, you know, will we'll probably go out of her way now to keep her secret. I mean, she'll probably still want to use Supergirl for stories. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she'll be pumping Kara for all sorts of exclusives. But, like, she'll definitely, I'm sure, do her part to keep her safe and keep her uh, Supergirl identity separate so that she doesn't have to, so that she won't be harmed. Because I think she wouldn't want Kara to be hurt or targeted.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to when the show comes back and seeing what the dynamic is like for Kat and Kara in future episodes to see Mm -hmm. what it's going to be like at work. (laughs) You know, um, know, that is a big secret to keep. And what I always kind of think about is how – For example, when Lois Lane finds out the secret that Superman is actually Clark Kent, her co-worker at the the Daily Planet, the thing is for Lois is like I'm sitting on one of the greatest stories in the history of the world and I can't I can't say anything about it. I can't Mm -hmm. I can't I can't tell it. I can't tell it. I can't print it. And for somebody who lives and breathes the news, that is a huge deal and so I think for Kat, it would be something similar. Like, she's sitting on one of the greatest stories that could make Catco huge and known all over the world if it's not already and, you know, could make her a lot of money probably. But she may choose to sit on that story because she has um, developed this relationship with Kara. So I'm curious to see what it's going to be like for them. I kind of, in some ways, I think that the... Reveal of Kara to Cat for me was more of a game changer for the show than say the Martian Manhunter thing. Yes, um, just be, totally. Even even though I'm I'm so pumped for Martian Manhunter, but I think in terms of the, the dynamics of what has been set up for the previous episodes, you know, Kara, you know, coming in and doing her thing at Catco, and that will totally change now. Um, yeah, so I'm really interested to see how that goes.
1: I agree with you. I mean, because this this has more of a direct impact on. Kara as a character, which will always be a game changer for the show. Totally. Um, And I think it's cool, too, that um, what we learn about Kat in this episode is that she's the kind of person who, when she cares about somebody, is willing to put them first. Yes. Um, Because the stuff with, with Adam, she was willing to step down from the company that she helped build to protect her son from being dragged into the spotlight in a negative way, and you know Catco as we know is her life it's her that's her that's her other baby that's her you know um she spent her whole life building that but she was willing to walk away for somebody that she cared about so um i think that is an indication that she would be willing to you know she cares about kara she doesn't want to hurt her and i think at the end of the day she would be the person who would be willing to put herself to the side to protect somebody she cares about,
0: I think that's a great point that you brought up about Adam. Is that she, she even says like, you know, I already heard him once already because I, you know, I quit on him. You know, I mm-hmm. I, try, I dropped the lawsuit, and so for me to get back into his life. I don't want to hurt him again. And I also don't want to drag his name through the mud. And so I appreciated that cat saw the bigger picture and was willing to (laughs) go down with the ship. If that meant that Adam would be protected. And um, that's one of the things I really like about the cat grant character that as selfish as she can be sometimes and, Mm -hmm. and not caring about other people or not kind of giving other people the time of day when she is faced with protecting the people she does care about, she is willing to kind of go that extra mile for them and kind of uh, sacrifice herself in a way. So I do like that about her character.
1: Definitely. I think that's a great way to put it because she doesn't care about very many people. But the people that she does care about, <laughs> she's very, very loyal to. Right. And I think that's an important aspect of her character, totally. Um, well, what what are your general thoughts about the episode overall? Uh how do you think, because uh, now we're taking a break, right, from uh, the schedule for the holidays. And so how do you think the uh, this first part of season one has uh, ended up? Well,
0: I really loved this episode. It's probably one of my favorites. I think my th- if I had to pick three favorites of uh, the season so far, it would be live wire red faced and then this one um i really loved all the great depth in the relationships between kat and kara and and astra and Kara, and i think they've done a really good job of putting a lot of depth in those different relationships and i love how everything seems to kind of connect in terms of parallels and um, comparisons between the two uh, dynamics and i i thought they were some really great fight fight sequences fight sequences in this episode <laughs> even though some of the wire work is still a little clunky but I think they're being really ambitious with those things and I'm excited to see that like you know we're get we're getting like Kryptonian invasion type stuff on this show. And that's actually really kind of exciting because they're not afraid to try to do something like that. And, uh, cause you know, I mean that costs money and it, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fight chor- choreography involved. And so I like that they are being really, um, they're like go big or go home on this. And so I, I really appreciate that. But there were some like things I was like nitpicking about this episode where like stuff like when Supergirl and Astra were fighting outside in the city during in in the daytime like Astra throws a car at her and she uses her heat vision to like destroy it and I was like why didn't you why didn't you just catch it like that was yeah that was so bizarre like that could have put people in danger to like blow up a car and um like you know Supergirl was really rough with Alex and I know they were sparring and that was kind of the point but I was like you need to remember that your sister is a human being and she could totally break some bones. I was a little like, "Mm, you're going a little overboard with that. And there were some things like with the whole cat co and the, the emails and stuff like they printed out cats emails. What was the point of that? That was a huge waste of paper and toner. Like that's what, that was one of my first thoughts was I cannot believe you printed all that stuff out. And yeah. also, why didn't Kara just super speed read all of
1: the emails?
0: Yeah, they, they, had, yeah. they had James read the emails, and I'm like, that you or, could save so much time if Kara just did it herself.
1: Or why doesn't you know, Mister Computer Genius, win like figure out an algorithm to look for like keywords and, yeah. and you know like like nobody needs to be reading these emails. You, like
0: you wasted so <laughs> much time by printing them out. What was your problem? So yeah. I did have some, like, little silly nitpicks about that, but I actually really liked this episode, and I'm really interested to see what happens, and I'm really, really... They they did a great job of ending with that cliffhanger, so I'm so excited for when the show comes back.
1: I mean, I, I feel the same way. I loved this episode. I think if I had to rank my top three as of right now, it would be um, Human for a Day, this episode, and Livewire. Cool. Um, but... Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was great. And I agree with you, like, the wire work in the fight scenes was kind of a little bit wonky. But I, I still loved the fight choreography. I loved how it was shot. And um, even more than the aerial kind of astra Kara fight scenes, I really liked the choreography of the Alex-Cara sparring. Yeah. Um, that looked really good. And as far as, you know, I mean, we have to remember that, you know, Kara is fighting through a little bit of kryptonite. So she can be hurt a little more. She can be stopped a little easier. So even though she's going hard, it's still, you know, she. uh, Alex made sure to level the playing field for a reason.
0: That's true. Um, I guess even Kara can be damaged in those fights just as much as Alex. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's not operating at full strength. So um, it's it's more about skill than it is about strength, which is kind of the point of those sessions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I love, like, good, like, fight choreography for women who know how to fight. Like, I love that Astra is a warrior. I love that Alex is a warrior in, you know, her job. Like, I love that Alex is teaching Kara to have technique. Like, it's not just about strength. It's about what you do with it. So I just loved watching all of that. Um, The acting in this episode was amazing. Even, you know, Jeremy Jordan is Wynn, who normally that character grates on my nerves. But in this episode... Uh, I really kind of got to understand him. My favorite line, by the way, was, you and your abs would never understand. <laughs> um, when he says that to James when James is trying to be a good bro and be like, hey, you know, you should take a chance on Cara. If you really have feelings for her, you should go for it. And we really get a sense of just how insecure Win is. And so it kind of, for me, put all of his past behavior into context where, like, Yes, he's coming off really wrong. Yes, he snaps at James every time James says anything to Cara. Yes, he blows up and blows things out of proportion. But that's all fueled from this huge insecurity. And being somebody who's totally had some unrequited love in her day, not to get too soap opera about it, but like...
0: <laughs> hey, I, know. I love soap operas.
1: <laughs> exactly. I know what that feels like. And I know that, yeah, sometimes it makes you not your best self. And sometimes you get snarky and you snap at people because you feel it's really because you feel crappy about yourself yeah. and you feel like oh this person will never love me i could never tell them um and so i i really for the first time understood win uh, and identified with win in a way and so um i was glad to see that and yeah i thought that uh you know kind of <laughs> there were some plot holes um not only uh you know with the printed emails although i can, i will say that like the printed emails might be important when it comes to finding the proof because you want a hard copy of that cuz you know what if what if you know armstrong goes in and 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 deletes everything deletes it from the server or whatever then you're you're stuck um but why you need cat emails i have no idea um and yeah wouldn't <laughs> somebody brought this up at the mary sue that wouldn't uh cat know that she owned the emails from the beginning like Because she says that to Armstrong at the end. Like, I I own these emails because they're CatCo property. You made them, you know, on CatCo servers during CatCo time. And it's like she was talking to a lawyer at the beginning. Wouldn't they have have established that, like, right from the get-go? Like, they didn't have to do this whole secret you know, looking into his computer, they could have just straight up gone in there and looked because it's CatCo property.
0: Yeah, what a um, what a dummy Dirk Armstrong is. Um, I <laughs> like, I, I like that, um, you know, they used a, a DC character because according to the DC Wiki, you know, he is actually a conser- conservative columnist for the Daily Planet who served as a foil to Lois Lane and Clark Kent during the 1990s. So he actually has some comic book history, but I just thought he was such a dummy. Like, don't use your emails your work from email. work <laughs> like that's like your that's like rule number one like don't write and that's that but the funny thing is that's real world stuff when we, yeah. we, we, we somebody were, would be that dumb the sony the sony hack was like that those people at sony were writing all that garbage in their work emails so yeah to
1: each other <laughs> yeah
0: so it really happens some people are just
1: not that smart so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that whole thing was hilarious. Totally. And, yeah, I was reading another article today. Someone was writing about how a lot of people needed to be stupid in this episode in order for the plot to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah, kind of. Because, like, even with um, at the D.E.O., you know, Hank and uh, – or Jean and uh, – Alex are looking at the footage of the fight between Alora and uh, and Kara, and it takes a while for Alex to realize, "Hey, maybe she wanted us to catch her." It's like, really, did, like that? Did you <laughs> that that only dawned on you now after watching the footage several times? Well, um, my thing was, didn't didn't the fact that Supergirl drag her
0: her lifeless body into the D.E.O., that didn't that didn't ring any bells for you? Because like <laughs> to me, I was like, now how? How would she have been knocked out so much so that she would not be, like, awake for that? (laughs) Like, it just cracked me up. Like, she's just dragging a body through the DEO. So, yeah, I I think that was kind of silly on on the DEO's part.
1: But, I mean, overall, it was a fun episode. It was an episode that kept me engaged and entertained. Again, mostly because of the character stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. that's really the thing that I think is is gelling this whole thing together Mm -hmm. is I want to find out what these characters do. I, I like their interactions with each other. Um, And ultimately for me, that's the important part of the story and what has been progressing forward in a really great way is the people. Um, So yeah, I mean, great episode overall. I think for both of us, we said it was in our top top picks for the season (laughs) so far. Well, that uh, wraps it up for our discussion, um, but let's find out what our listeners had to say on social media about hostile takeover.
0: At Who Needs It tweeted, this is exactly the right show for the times we're living in. We all need a Supergirl. At So Zeitgeisty, which is one of my favorite names that we have <laughs> on the show, um, tweeted, "Cat is the character I thought I would care the least about, and now I find her the most fascinating. At Kevin underscore 11 said it was pretty cool. And then at Angel over Chris tweeted, I lost my bleep watching the last 10 minutes, like literally sobbing and screaming gold, gold, gold. (laughs) So Angel over Chris had um, uh, lots of good feelings about that. At Var underscore nation said, Superman doesn't kill. Best line ever. Kara is a superhero. And I was like, yeah, Superman doesn't kill, except for all the times that he does. So...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said that because, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it cracks me up. Um, At Skinny Ellie tweeted, Cat Grant, holy expletive. (laughs) At Cara Riley tweeted, I realized how much I respect and love Cat Grant's character and Cara crying and yelling at her mother's hologram made me want to cry. Mm -hmm. And... um. Actually, while we're talking about that, I had remembered uh, an interview with Andrew Kreisberg that he had with Variety, and he actually had said something about kyler and melissa and the way that they um kind of support each other and i think it was referring to that scene because he said quote we were watching a particularly emotional scene for supergirl that alex is present for and melissa got very emotional and after they yelled cut kyler went over and held melissa until she could pull it together and that was almost more moving than the scene itself unquote so Mm -hmm. i um i was like Hmm, I wonder if that's the scene that he was talking about back in November. So, um, yeah, great scene. Um, At David Martinez 8 tweeted, Amazing episode. I'm not embarrassed to admit I teared up when Kara confronted her AI mother. Also, I predict Alex will have a serious dressing down with John. He held back to hide his true nature, and a lot of people died. Um, don't, mm-hmm. don't be embarrassed if you had to tear up a little bit. I think we all kind of did, so no uh, embarrassment there. And, yeah, I'm actually really curious about the— hank alex and even the hank Kara dynamic moving forward because there seemed to be a little bit of tension between alex and Kara in regards to what hank did and didn't do so i'm curious to see how that develops
1: although actually i i like how um how they handled the fact that like Alex is now, you know, on board with Jean, uh, right, right. with Hank. And so it was a very simple, like, oh, you trust him now? And she's like, yes. And then Kara's like, okay. <laughs> like, like, like Kara trusts Alex enough that, you know, if Alex says he's cool, she thinks he's cool. Like, like that's all she needs to hear. And I like that relationship between them. And I like that Alex and and uh, Hank can be more honest with each other.
0: Oh, yeah. Alex was like... You can read minds, like yeah. <laughs> they're they're finding out about each other, so that, that's that's kind of fun. At Bri Quinn twenty three tweeted emotional scenes were so on point, especially her heat vision against the AI. That's why she is Supergirl, with some hand clapping emoticons <laughs> or, or emoji. Are they emoji? emoji? They're they're more emoji instead of emo-cons. I'm sorry, internet. Um, at (laughs) at, At US underscore TV underscore addict tweeted, I love the fact that Cat Grant has worked out that Cara Danvers is Supergirl. It makes Lois Lane seem dumb. And I... First of all, I think you mean galactically stupid, not dumb. And Uh uh, I also think, to be fair about Lois, who is one of my favorite characters in fiction of all time, um, she's not always that galactically stupid. Case in point, Amy Adams in Man of Steel so um, I, think, <laughs> I think it's great, and I'm so relieved that Kat is getting that same treatment on Supergirl, that she's kind of being treated in that similar fashion where she's allowed to be smart. She's allowed to figure that kind of stuff out. So um, yes, sometimes Lois is kind of dumb, um, but sometimes she's also shown to be very smart. Um, at JLSW said, love this episode. Can't get enough of Kara and Kat. And I love that Kat figured it out. At Steven Garstone tweeted, I thought it would be a whole season of Supergirl before I enjoyed an episode more than Red Faced, but wow, was this great. At Mr. Mac thirty one thirty said, WTF was that ending though? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we all thought that. At Arkham HQ 16 tweeted that episode of Supergirl. Awesome. Now can the break be over? I want more and I can't wait. Um, The break just started. Unfortunately, it can't be over. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it'll be awesome to see when it comes back.
1: And uh, we got an email from one of our listeners named Adam who writes, quote, One reason I really enjoy Supergirl is that it gives me something to share with my oldest daughter. She's nine years old and loves the show. Even my two-year-old will watch Supergirl sometimes. My favorite is when both my girls will sit down on the couch with me and watch it. Plus, I love how my daughters can see that women can be leaders and just as important as men. But what bothers me is how they let Kat figure out who Supergirl is so fast. I knew this was going to happen, but was hoping it would happen later in the show and be more involved and not just Kat putting it together. I guess I was hoping for more drama with it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I personally, you know, thought – I I was like, what took her so long? <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, like I, I, you know – I'm all for drama in the right places, but for me it was like, come on, glasses are not a disguise. That's always been my, like, if, if you, it, she got a really good look at Supergirl's face during that interview on that, that hill where she got her car dragged to. Uh, so, you know, once you've seen her face, you know who she is. Like, the fact that the car has been under her nose this whole time never made any sense to me. So I'm, I'm glad that it's finally done and we can all move on with our lives.
0: yeah i uh i thought i mean you you could totally have dragged it out until the end of the season that's something that could have totally worked but i i'm with you teresa like i'm glad that she uh was able to finally figure it out because if it was dragged on for a long time people would be like oh she's so stupid why didn't she figure this out um and i've noticed that Berlanti superhero shows are getting faster and faster with that secret identity reveal. Because, like, mm. when they, um, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who has not watched Arrow and the Flash and wants to skip ahead on your podcast, about 30 seconds, uh, because I'm going to spoil some stuff. (laughs) Um, But on Arrow, it took 41 episodes for Laurel to find out Oliver was the Arrow, and that was because someone else told her. (laughs) And it took 20 episodes for Iris to figure out Barry was the Flash, and now it's taken just eight episodes for Kat to realize her assistant is Supergirl. And so I think the Berlanti- folks are of the mind that the secret identity, and I've heard them talk about this, like the secret identity is the kind of the least interesting aspect of the show. And so the quicker you can get that reveal and get it out into the open, I, I think that leads to other kinds of drama. Like it doesn't have to be does she know, does she not know? The drama for me now is how does that change Kara and Kat's dynamic at Catco during the day? What, it, you know, what does Kat have to do in order to protect the secret? So that's kind of the drama for me now. So um, I hope that they will be able to mine that a little more, um, even though Kat knows the secret. Well, we also got an email from Stefan who writes, quote, Yes, I got the new Kryptonians fight I believed would happen. And I love that Non made an appearance and could talk. Don't get me wrong, Jack O'Halloran's portrayal as Non in the Reeve Donner movies was awesome. But I, as a fan, finally get to see a Non who can speak and is smart. He wasn't lobotomized like how Non was in the movies, unquote. And I agree. I think this Non will probably end up having a little more characterization to him. So I'm looking forward to see where they go with him.
1: And, you know, just, you know, recently I was asking for uh, our villains to be more complex and to have more to them and... And not just be easily you know, defeated in one episode. And Nan seems to be an example of that where he's kind of hardcore and he's going to be around a bit. Um, we have another email from a listener named Mark who writes, quote, regarding hostile takeover two things struck me. First, of course, was Kara's reaction to the Alora used her to bring in Astro reveal. My gut feeling is that Kara's hiding her powers all those years helped her bottle up her homesickness, as she tried to be a good girl and make the best of her new world. But now, embracing her Kryptonian nature has also brought up all those feelings of loss and abandonment, and that's fueling her rage outbursts. I don't think they quite got to that point in the car-punching scene, but in the end they've given her a really complex emotional backstory, and I'm glad Melissa is able to pull it all off. Uh, The other point I noticed was the Allura astrodynamic, now that they've turned the latter into at least a more complex villain, if not an anti-heroine, the pairing of the Law & Order person in Allura with the apparently left-wing eco-terrorist, reminds me of the old Green Lantern, Green Arrow comics, where Hal was being his typical space cop, and Ollie, while he stayed on the right side of the law, was a half-step away from joining the Students for a Democratic Society. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if the producers were intentionally thinking of that situation when they blocked out the story, but it did remind me of it. Um, And I'm glad that you bring that up, um, because... Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about in this very episode, uh, I love that Astra is kind of more complex than just, I want to take over the world, um, and that she has beliefs and that that there's kind of a political kind of bent to her, even though her methods are questionable. And that's actually something that I really miss on Arrow, uh, actually, is season one was very much about that. It was very much about Ali kind of sticking it to the man and, you know, really going after the rich and really kind of standing up for the poor and uh, we've kind of lost sight of that as we've gotten into other stuff so i always thought that was really interesting and i'm i'm glad you bring that up with regard to astra
0: our last email comes from John who wrote, quote, You should know that every Monday night my daughter and I get the TV set to CBS, get our phones out, and open the Twitter app and settle into the new Supergirl episode with your live tweet for company. And every, and every Wednesday I download your podcast and listen avidly. I enjoy your review and analysis every week, and it's also a way of reliving the episode a couple of days after the fact. You two are an essential part of our Supergirl viewing experience, and I want to thank you for all you do. Also, since the show began, my son wants to read a Supergirl comic every night. That's not on y'all, but it also makes me happy. Thanks for being a part of Supergirl, unquote. And um, John, normally (laughs) normally I wouldn't think that we should, you know, read emails on the podcast, you know congratulating ourselves. But what I think is so cool about your email is that you are having a shared experience with your daughter and even with your son who is reading Supergirl comics and hey, whatever gets him to read and gets him to read Supergirl, I I don't care if it's us or not. Um, But I I think that is awesome that you're able to share that with your family because I think television is great because it's a shared experience. You know, if you watch something at the same time, especially like with a live tweet, we're all kind of seeing the same thing at the same time when it's happening. And that's what I like about live tweeting is that you know, we're all kind of getting to see those reveals happen and, and see those exciting twists and turns happen at the same time. And so um, I, I just love that you're sharing that with your kids. And uh, thank you for writing in
1: definitely and i thank you so much for for your kind words about that and yeah you know i mean obviously uh, we might read one or two self congratulatory tweets just because <laughs> you know or, or emails just cuz why not but um but yeah i think the the fact that you are sharing this with your kids is so important and um and thank you so much for for listening and for your kind words and we love you know, being a part of, of the show as well, you know, as as far as being a part of your enjoyment of it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of our goals for the podcast is to create a community of Supergirl fans. And I'm glad that it seems like we've we've kind of done that not to be con- congratulatory on that. But I think that's a, a worthy goal. And yeah. um, and something that I'm excited that we we have. And so I appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast that kind of contributes to um, our enjoyment of the show, too. I, I don't want to speak for you, Teresa, but I love that we have people who listen in and tell us they're listening and want to email and tweet us and things like that. That helps me enjoy the show just as much as you listening to this podcast helps you oh, totally. enjoy the show. So I think it goes both ways for us.
1: Definitely. And I, and I love, too, that, that, you know, some of you will write in or, or hit us up on Twitter and stuff and illuminate stuff that we didn't think of. Right. You know, like, it, you know, it, it adds to the conversation. And and you all are really smart. Um, you all are, you know, I mean, we're all geeks, so we all have a certain amount of of brain power. And uh, you know, so we all kind of illuminate the show for each other, and I love that.
0: Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio like they all did, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio.
1: And we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And huge thanks to that underscore UTSA underscore guy <laughs> for leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you so, so much.
0: And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and DC movies, you can subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DCTV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast podcasts on Facebook.
1: As for me, you can find me at my website, com. That's T-E-R-E-S-A-J-U-S-I-N-O.com. Uh, every day, I'm writing over at The Mary Sue. That's TheMarySue.com, uh, doing lots of Supergirl stuff, including my Supergirl recaps on Tuesdays and uh, our House of L video series on Thursdays. And uh, I'm on all social media, usually at Teresa Jacino,
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash
1: duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And since we don't have an official description or a trailer for the next episode of Supergirl yet, uh, which is called Blood Bonds and airs on January 4th, 2016, we won't be having a spoiler section at the end of the episode this week.
0: But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. Don't make fun of Jekyll and Hyde the musical. It had
1: an excellent score.